Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch all of his seminal works, including every single movie, his greatest TV shows and even the student film he made at university. In this series, these Hugh Grant experts will look back at his career to create the definitive list of the greatest Hugh Grant productions ever made. I'm Degree Waite and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive, Oscar Beardmore Gray. Oscar, how the bloody hell are you doing today, mate? I'm feeling a little emotional, Diggs. Feeling a little emotional because we've we've done eighty plus episodes. We spent countless hours, and you know people have been along for the ride all the way. And here we are, our top ten Hugh Grant films ranked. It is emotional. Yeah, mate. We were saying I don't know if we said it last episode or whether we said it off air, but this is our magnum opus. This is our magnum opus. This is this is this is it. This is the culmination of four years of us watching every single film made by Hugh Grant. The lengths we've gone to. I mean, we won't go into it, but listen to some of our other episodes. You'll hear some of the lengths we've gone to. I mean, we've got mugs for fuck's sake. <laughs> we've got Oscar's holding up his taking you for granted mug. I'm like you can see in the background of my video if you're watching on YouTube. Um, you can see some of the Hugh Grant memorabilia that we've got together over the years. In the background, like, but this is this is it. This is the definitive top ten list. And like I've said before, there is no one better placed to make this list than Oscar and I. We have actually done it. We have watched every single Hugh Grant film there is on the planet. Oscar, with forty Hugh Grant films down, ten to go. The top ten Hugh Grant films. Um, Oscar, how have we ranked these films? I think that people want to know that who are coming to this because they've skipped to the final episode. They've skipped to the top ten, and uh, they'll want to know how we've ranked them. It's a fair question, Diggs. So we have each ranked every film out of 20. Uh, there are four categories. How much is Hugh in it? How good is Hugh? How sexy is Hugh? And then the quality of the film overall. So that's given us an overall score of 20 for each person. Out of those together, it's 40 and come to this definitive list. Mm-hmm. And here we are, the top 10. Here we go. The top 10 Hugh Grant films today. I mean, Oscar, let's waste no more time. Let's get into number 10. Beginning the countdown of Hugh Grant's top 10 productions to date, it's The Gentleman. Oscar, number 10 on the Hugh Grant top 10 films of all time list. Well, at least today. Talk to me your thoughts, please. Diggs, I remember fondly watching this film together. We mm. went to the cinema. I think it's actually the only film out of all the films we watched that we went together to the cinema to watch this film when it came yeah. out. In 2019, it feels like a a while ago now. It was actually the beginning of our journey. And I just remember we both walked out of it and thought, this is going to be a great podcast. Because that was kind of at the very beginning. And we were like, hmm, there are a lot of weird films. And then we watched this one and we were like, it kind of confirmed to us that we were onto a good thing. Um, What I would say about this film is that I think it's Hugh Grant at his very best I really do. I think he's so funny in this film. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I just went onto YouTube last night and I was kind of like trying to refresh my memory of some of these films. Um, you know, obviously the top 10, I don't want to get anything wrong. And the first <laughs> scene of this film is genius. It's absolutely genius. And like, it starts off with you being like, buenas tardes. And from oh, yeah. that moment on, we know that we're in for a classic. And, you know, Hugh's look, his accents, it was all something that we hadn't really seen before. And because like his 
character was very much a stereotype of someone he hates, which is like mm. a kind of skeezy journalist or photojournalist. Yeah. I guess just a tabloid uh, tabloid photographer. I think that made it even better because he was like, yeah. he, he embodied this character of people he's probably met along the way. Uh, so for that reason, I, I, I have nothing but good words to say about this movie. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Once again, and I think we're going to say this on this final top 10 a few times, actually, that it is a bit of very clever and witty casting. I, I love the fact that, yeah, he had his whole, you know, the, the battle with the news of the world, the Leveson inquiry, all, all the anti-hacking stuff against the tabloids. And so to be playing this sniveling, conniving, evil little, uh, like, photojournalist, like you say, this rat, this little rat, this rat journalist, it is part of what we like to call the Hunaissance, you know, Hugh Grant sort of goes away for a while. Everyone knows him for the rom-coms and he's sort of come back onto the scene with a lot of the films we'll talk about today where he's funny, he's crazy. It's a Hugh Grant we'd never seen before. And this film, like you say, it's Hugh Grant at his best. He's having so much fun in the role and you're not going to come away from this film and not have had a good time. I think for many people, this would be the first time that people would have seen Hugh with a different accent. Like most people up to this point, you know, they do just imagine Hugh with his very posh RP accent. Um, mm. And so to h- hear him sort of, you know, play a fucking game with me, Raymond. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, to, to, yeah. to hear that kind of thing. I just remember being in the cinema and people being in stitches about it. And I think that would be the general reaction even now, like people watching this film. And I just love, I love his look as well with the kind of like, you know, the, the stub, the weird like facial hair and the, and the orange glasses. I just think it's brilliant. And it's by far the best guy in Richie movie he, film he's been in. Of course, he's 100%. been in a couple of others. And I think it's well deserving to be in the top 10. At number nine, it's The Lady and the Highwoman. Coming in at number nine in our definitive ranking is The Lady and the Highwoman. I don't think many people would have heard of this film, Dig. So tell me why it is coming at number nine. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for an absolute treat here. And this is exactly what me and Oscar were talking about. When we set out on this this journey to watch all of Hugh Grant's films, we, you know, you've obviously heard of your Bridget Joneses, you know, your Notting Hills, your Love Actuallys. But this is the sort of thing, these hidden gems that we've plucked out of obscurity no one would have heard of this film. Lady and the High Women, a TV movie, 1988. We watched this one together as well, actually. We watched it in your, in your house. And we, mm. <laughs> we sat on the floor with our shoes off and our little socks and we watched it. And honestly, it's so good. Hugh Grant plays this sort of like, it's like, I think, Edwardian or something. And so it's like back in the day, Hugh Grant looks great. He's got this big bushy hair, like at the style of the time. And he plays this sort of like vigilante known as the Silver Blade who so cool. is, is he's so cool he's like batman zorro robin hood character he it's the coolest character hugh grant has ever played like he's swashbuckling and using his sword there's and there's a quote from it because you know he's constantly like stealing from the rich and giving to the poor and stuff there's just this great bit where he stands up a stagecoach and he's like you are a leech and that is now just a, a phrase that i constantly when when someone's upset me i'm always like oh, you are a leech um <laughs> And then this you're like, film, do you know where that's from? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. But honestly, this film is absolutely brilliant. And I know people are going to look at this. And if, if they look up The Lady in the Highwayman, they'll be like, oh, my God, this looks terrible. Trust me when I say the film actually does a really good job of setting up the characters, setting up the plot lines, genuine intrigue. And, of course, there's some, like, camp slapstick funniness that goes on and all that sort of stuff. But 
for what it is, this is so much fun. It's so cool. And like I say, there are genuine moments of drama where you're like, I'm actually intrigued about what's going to happen. This film is brilliant. Diggs, I love your enthusiasm for this film. I, I mean, I share the same enthusiasm. I, I just think that you're able to capture it in such a, in such a good way. And I love it. Um, yeah, you, you said it. You hit the nail on the head. He's kind of like this sort of Ed- Edwardian James Bond. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. instead of guns, he's carrying like knives and, you know, samurai swords. And he's just like, go, <laughs> he just goes around beating people up and it's sick. Yeah. And like, yeah, like you said it perfectly. He's like a mix of Robin Hood and Zorro and Batman. And I would just encourage people if, you know, if you're a, a new Hugh Grant fan, you might have a bit of snobbery towards, and I think we all do, don't we? We're mm. all millennials, Gen Z. Maybe we have a bit of snobbery towards films made pre-1990. And, you know, I think when we went into it, we were also a bit like, this is probably going to be shit. Yeah. Um, but we, we really found the opposite. And I would encourage people to look beyond the cover of the, of the DVD and yeah. probably not the DVD, but, you know, whatever you're, wherever you're watching this film and uh, give it a go. Competing for 8th and 7th place will be The Lair of the White Worm and Notting Hill. Okay, Oscar, we have a two-way tie in our ranking system. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen at home, there has been ties that have come up, and so we have to debate them on screen, on the mic for you, and this is no different. We have, coming in for number 8 and number 7 of the top 10 Hugh Grant films to date, we have Notting Hill, 1999, and The Lair of the White Worm, 1988. Another film from the 80s. Oscar, take it away. I feel like there will be some fans out there who've just taken a short intake of breath <laughs> to hear that Notting Hill is not further up. So I apologize to, to those out there. But if, yeah. for loyal listeners, they will know that there's been some deal of skepticism about the mm. positioning of Notting Hill and whether we actually think it's great or not. I think that it is a very good film and deserves, definitely deserves to be in the top 10. But I think mm. that 7th or 8th is about right. Like, I don't think it goes much higher than that. I think it's got some, we, I mean, that we won't discuss it all here, but we have discussed yeah. its flaws in great detail. I think where it is a very good film is that out of all of Hugh Grant's romantic comedies, I believe that it is the most romantic. Like mm. there is a genuine sweetness and like, you know, cuddle yourself type romance in this film. Yeah. And the fact that it was kind of based off one of Richard Curtis's friends who was living his life as you do in Notting Hill in, in the in the 80s and actually mm. fell in love with this kind of movie star who no one actually knows who it is. I don't think it's ever really been revealed. Mm. And then he created this film and you know, there is just something so like idyllic and sort of unbelievable about the love story, but that's sort of what you want a romantic comedy to do. And I think it was Carswell and um, Julia Roberts was the superstar of the time. Mm. As time goes on and, and my less critical hat has come off, I, yes, I, feel more, yes. I, feel, I feel more affinity towards Notting Hill. I think that's a very good way of putting it, yeah. Do you want to discuss The Lair of the White Worm? Because that is... That is a do- totally different kettle of fish. <laughs> well, I think, yes. Um, the Lair of the White Worm, 1988. This is a-, a fever dream. And also the second episode that me and Oscar ever did. Um, 
this film is the wackiest thing in the world. Un- unlike um, the film we've just spoken about, The Lady in the Highway, when The Lair of the White Worm is a fucking terrible film. This is a really, <laughs> really bad film. It's basically about Peter Capaldi, who I think is some student, like, I don't know, archaeologist or something. And they uncover this, this like the, the skull of a worm that gives people these like psychedelic trances, and 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 Hugh Grant obviously plays a lord, classic, and it's once again one of those Hugh Grant early films where his early career he always played lords. He there was always like you know country houses, but also there was a lot of sex in it. This film weirdly has a lot of sex in it. There's the 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 villain, Lady Sylvia Marsh, she is driving along the road at one point she's this evil vampiric character and she stops this like this oh god this like schoolboy <laughs> do you remember this bit she stops yes. he like pulls up beside this schoolboy and he's like you know this scout kid and he's like can't be older than 13 and she's like oh hop in my car i'll give you a ride because it's raining and stuff and then like during this car journey she's being like you know like touching his leg and like you know, brings her him back to his lair, and then like puts him in the bath and like rubs stuff all over it, and then and then eventually gets her fangs out and bites his dick off. <laughs> this film is completely insane. Two women are fighting on the floor at one point, and Hugh Grant's pen gets erect, like gets turned <laughs> yes. on. I don't know how to explain that to you any other way than you could just watch it. At the end, Lady Sylvia Marsh, the, the evil person, like captures this woman who's been getting with Hugh Grant, and she. She tries to have sex with her with a dildo, and then the worm comes out, and Hugh Grant kills a vampire with a sword, and Peter Capaldi throws a grenade down the worm's mouth. This is the kind of film we're talking about. The thing is, right, is it's so much fun. It's a bad film, but it's so much fun to watch. Hugh Grant is crazy in it, and that's why this film is so high up the list. It's just one of those, again, one of those gems that you watch, and you're like, I can't believe what I've just seen. I have to watch it again. And that's Mm. why this is where it is. I love I love every time I, I got used to in this podcast nowadays when you go, oh, God, it's like when you realize that you don't you probably shouldn't share what you're about to share. But, you know, you got to anyway. I've got um, to. Yeah, I love that. I'm getting vivid memories and flashbacks to this movie because I haven't I mean, I haven't watched it since we watched it. So that's that's, mm. that's a good it's a good long time since I've seen it. But I was watching some of those those scenes this morning. And, you know, the erect pen is <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's brilliant. Um, it's bizarre. So I just think that for, for all the reasons you've just just uh, reeled off there, I think the layer of the white worm has got to be above Notting Hill. I agree, mate. I completely agree. I mean, it, what I would say about um, Notting Hill, and I, re- I really would say this as well, and what you just said there is so sweet. It is the most romantic of Hugh Grant's films. And actually, I've never heard you say that before, and I think that's actually the perfect way to put it. And when we we'd sometimes talk about in other films that he's done, the rom and the calm and how much one outweighs the other and all that sort of stuff. But that, the romantic side of it is really sweet and it really does come, come through. So I think you're absolutely right. The film sort of hinges on Hugh Grant being a respectful character. I mean, one of the things he does is when she says, I want to be left alone, he leaves her alone. And that's why they sort of miss each other and they don't realise they want to get with each other. If he'd been a bastard and not gone with her wishes and gone and like tried to get with her in the middle of the night, you know, who knows what would have happened. Basically, Hugh Grant's a nice guy. He wears a collared shirt like no one else. And it's a really, really romantic film. So yes. it does deserve its plaudits. And it makes like London seem like the nicest place in the entire world. And everyone could just live in Notting Hill. And the nice exactly. guy wins. And the like, nice guy wins. I, I feel like in a lot of his other rom-coms, he's playing a bastard. So it's quite yeah, nice exactly. to see the nice guy win. 
But the Lair of the White Worm is just too much fun. So for too me, I agree with you. It has to be number seven, and Notting Hill has to be number eight. Facing off for sixth, fifth, and fourth place will be Four Weddings and a Funeral, A Very English Scandal, and Morris. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another tie, but this time it's three-way. We have Four Weddings and a Funeral, 1994, A Very English Scandal, 2018, and Morris, 1987. Oscar, your thoughts on any and all of those, please. Oh my gosh, that's a that's a <laughs> monumental task. I, yeah. I, having just said that the nice guy never wins, I guess in Four Weddings he sort of does too, although I'm not sure I'd call him a nice guy, I just no. call him a sort of bumbling idiot. <laughs> yeah, the bumbling yeah. idiot wins. Be, and he can be a bit of a prick in that film. Yeah, he is a bit of a prick as well. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really tough. I mean, where to start? I mean, I, sometimes I feel a little bit like, while I do feel I am the authority to talk on most Hugh Grant films at this point, Four Weddings is still one I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about because I, <laughs> it's so yeah. like seminal in mm-hmm. in a certain generation. I think like mm. basically my parents' generation. Like this was the film that I feel like they all loved and they all talked about because it kind of you know it reminded them of their youth and their uni days, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I do feel a little bit insecure about talking about this film. I, I, I still struggle to really love it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that will come as a surprise to many listeners, actually, having if, yeah. if you've listened to this before. And there, I think that Morris gets up there so high in this list because of the piece of work it was at the time. Which yeah. where Hugh Hugh is playing a gay character um, who falls in love with Morris. He's Clive Durham, um, who's kind of I guess a sort of aristocratic uh, university student, and he starts his relationship. And there weren't that many films like this at the time. And mm-hmm. you know, there's this whole kind of I guess undertoned discussion about like whether homosexuality should be allowed. There's like weird like hypnotic scenes where um, mm-hmm. Morris is. They try and like get him to, I guess, you know, try and fix him. Um, and yeah. there's, so there's a whole load of subjects that are touched on in that film, which make it um, quite an important work. That being said, <laughs> it is a little slow at times. Mm-hmm. So lag in the middle. I mean, a very English scandal as well is, I guess, similar to Morris in some ways, where Hugh is is playing another gay character in Jeremy Thorpe was quite different for Hugh, wasn't it? Where mm. he was very used to obviously playing the big Hollywood role and he was phoned up um, and said, you know, you want to play TV? And yeah. and Hugh was like, mm, I don't think TV's for me. But he saw the script, thought it was so brilliant. And he's so good in that. He's, he's so, so good. good. It's so reptilian. And, he, and yeah. he, I think is the best character he embodies out of any any film he's ever been in. Because, you know, like it's easy to play someone... We don't know who he's like. We, it's easy to play someone like Phoenix Buchanan. He's a made-up character. Mm. We don't know how he's meant to be played, but people mm. will know how what Jeremy Thorpe was like. And so, yeah. when you play someone else, it's got to be spot on. Otherwise, people are going to absolutely kill you for it. Um, so, I, I I know you agree with me. He was absolutely brilliant in that in yeah. that uh, TV yeah. movie. So, if I had to put these in order, at the top, I would put a very English scandal. Mm. Then I would put. Four weddings and a funeral, and mm. then I put Morris. I think I have to agree with you, and I'm not just saying that. I think what we'll put in sixth place, basically, Morris. I think this film is uh, 
it's it's very important because people think that Four Weddings and a Funeral was Hughes' standout and breakout film, but actually it was Morris. This was a James Ivory production, and it is just like the one we talked about last episode, The Remains of the Day. This is a film that marinates in your brain. You think about it a bit more. It's a serious film. It's really good. Hugh Grant in it looks amazing. He he's like this student at, at Cambridge. Um, he he looks he he looks like you know what I think kids thirst about Timothy Chalamet about now. And there's this particular scene, the wicker chair scene, where him where his character Clive Durham and uh, James Wilby's character Morris are like it's like they're simmering love for each other is just about to you feel like they're about to kiss and the wicked like one of them sat on this wicker chair and like it's making all it's this absolute racket but it's just this simmering like tension and and all this stuff going on it's so amazing and honestly like i say hugh looks amazing and there's a gif online that just almost shares all the time about how good he looks in this film like he looks amazing um, then he grows this moustache in his face in the second half. And he looks fucking terrible. <laughs> and it kind of ruins everything. Um, but this is because his character, which is really interesting, sort of turns his back on homosexuality. I mean, it's too dangerous. Like, people in the film get locked up for it, all that sort of stuff. So he gets a beard, a wife, and then I think he gets a literal beard, his moustache, to sort of show as a sort of um, allegory or, or metaphor for him being like no 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 no, I'm going to deny who I really am it's a really good film in, in that way and like I said came out in the 80s in the midst of the AIDS crisis and I think in the UK it didn't do that well and people think it's because they were trying to be like we can't be seen to encourage this so you know what fair play to Hugh Grant he's said since he just saw it as a job but this film does hold some weight for a lot of people um, and that was no less shown when Hugh went to the LGBTQ plus film festival and they talked about this film and loads of people came up and said it was really good so i think it, it's very deserving to be in the top 10 and then we have four weddings and a funeral like you oscar i think i feel you know some andy mcdowell in the film i don't think her characters are like amazing which is unfortunate we you know she's not that fleshed out but hugh grant's really funny it was really important to his career so i think that deserves to be where it is and oh my word a very english scandal is just fantastic it is three episodes of um, Hugh Grant doing some incredible acting, embodying uh, Jeremy Thorpe, the the MP, um, really well. And I spoke to Synopsis Simon, who you've been hearing do the little links in between these, and he said he, you know, he interviewed Jeremy Thorpe. Um, when he, really? He, yeah, Actually, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, and he was like, "Listen, he, I think he's, he knew Jeremy. Like, he spoke to Jeremy Thorpe a bit, and he was like, Hugh Grant has done an incredible.'" Not impersonation, he said this, embodiment. That's the word he used. Like, and this, this, the show has a weird, it's a very serious subject, you know. Jeremy Thorpe, this MP, has um, homosexual relations with this guy, Norman Scott, played by Ben Wishaw, brilliantly. And he he plans to kill him because he's like, well, this is, this is a nightmare. This guy's going to tell the world my secret and it's, and it's illegal to be gay. So it's a really, it's a serious show, but there are moments of light which it de- deals with really well, but that never takes over and makes the whole thing a farce. It's a really, really, really clever screenplay written by Russell T. Davies, and it's really well acted. So I think it deserves to be top of that list in number four. Well, I think Hugh, Hugh called it himself, like, it is a bit of a black comedy in some ways. Mm. And it's easy to forget that it's definitely got some very... Ser- serious um serious subject matter but also some some comedic elements to it which i think also add to it and there was a brilliant screenplay and hugh mm. was the perfect person to play that Diggs, yeah. i think i think 
I think we're we're happy with this final decision, aren't we? I mean, yeah, I, I think you put it well. Like four weddings has got to be in the top ten. It's you know it, it whether we love it or we we don't love it that much. Mm. It was it's the bedrock of his career. There's no doubt about it. It's the bedrock of his career. Yeah. People yeah. still come up to him in the street probably now and say. Yeah. I love Charles from Four Weddings and a Funeral. They, yeah. they picture the floppy hair. They picture that like morning suit wedding coat that he wears. Yeah. Um, I think Morris deserves to be in there um, because I think, again, it's one of those films that over time has got a cult following. Like I know mm. people message us like out of all the films that Hugh's done, lots of people message us about Morris, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think that says something for itself. Um, yeah. But I... I think we we have chosen the right film slash screenplay to come up on top here out of these three in a very English scandal. It's so watchable. I yeah. I, I think out of all of these, it's the one that you got to go stick on. Like it's so good. Yeah. I love it. At number three in Hugh Grant's greatest ever films is Paddington Two. Right, Diggs, we're into the top three. Yeah. Can you believe it? Top three. Wow, of we're here. All Hugh Grant films. I. I'm speechless. I really yeah. am. I think a very deserving number three. Little drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's Paddington 2. I mean, this film is held the record for having being 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for the first film ever to do that, I think. Held the record. I don't, I don't know if it, it still has that now. I think some fucking shit has, de- has voted it down <laughs> but essentially i think it held the 100 percent for ages and was the only film to do so this film i am tickled the deepest shade of shrimp to be able to talk about this film <laughs> and phoenix buchanan which it's just again this is what we mentioned up top with the gentleman such clever casting they came to you grant and they said we want someone to play the villain of paddington 2 is a washed up old actor who used to be good and now does dog commercials and they went Hugh Grant we thought of you immediately please take the role and Hugh takes it with both hands he is so self-deprecating he is so funny but he also has and this is why I think it's genuinely a great performance he has this level of malice when he's sometimes Mm. even in that first scene where um, they're at the fairground and he's talking to Paddington um, voiced by Wen Wishaw he he's he's being funny and delightful to everyone but there's a few moments where you see his true intentions show and you think to yourself this guy's a bastard and i think that's some of that amazing acting that we were talking about before and also he gets to show such a range here this is why it's such a great film for the renaissance because people know him as this rom-com actor but in this obviously as the actor phoenix buchanan he's constantly changing costumes he plays a nun at one point an incredibly attractive nun apparently according to one of the characters of one of the, <laughs> the security guards he's like that beautiful nun with the amazing eyes is just it's like run past and then um he plays you know sort of a a homeless thief sort of character um he plays all these different things and what i would say as well oscar is for us we have known hugh grant to have terrible accents down the years he has done some awful accents. He can't seem to do an American one to save his life. He does a terrible sort of <laughs> Polish-Italian one in one film where he plays Chopin. Um, it's, it's, some of the, the accents have been dreadful. However, this is his accent redemption. He does mm. Cockney. He does Russian. He does French. All of these amazing cast of characters. This is Hugh Grant showing what he can do. And he's flexing his muscles. And he's funny. And he's brilliant. And he's charming. He is brilliant in this film, and it's a great film. 
Yes, Diggs, I, <laughs> you've, you've knocked that out of the park. I mean, I think that Paddington 2 was the moment where Hugh Grant cemented himself as a national treasure. Yes, I, yes. I, I actually do. Like, <laughs> yes. like, people saw this film, like, I think it was a Christmas film, like, kind of came out in the holiday season. People went to the cinema and they were blown away by Hugh's performance. Like, they were, yes. who can forget Hugh Grant's dancing at the end of this movie? Oh, it so is, good. people talk about it to this day. Like, it yeah. is that moment. It's, it, it's, it's like an iconic moment of the 20, 2010s, I swear. Like, people were like, Hugh Grant Paddington too, and like his dancing, yeah. like you know, he's got his umbrellas and he's like, I just, I, I think it's so, I think it's so good because he just doesn't care. He's so yeah, happy yeah. to go along with what people think, like stereotype him, and he's, he's sort of maybe he's trying to dispel those stereotypes, but he also just, I don't think he's like at this point in his career really trying to prove anything to anyone, and that's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah, he's so yeah. carefree. Um, and because of that, he actually becomes more natural on screen. And mm -hmm. that's why it's exciting to be a Hugh Grant fan, because yes. I think he, I think there's more to come. He, yeah, exactly. He uses his stereotypes. That's what's so clever. That's what's so clever about this is, is he, is he, about this man. It, about this man. He's such a clever man, but it's true. <laughs> the gentleman, he, you know, that the casting of that was genius. You know, him playing the sleazy journalist in this, the casting is genius, the washed up actor in the undoing. You know, he, he's, he plays, you know, this charming man who couldn't possibly kill anyone. Spoiler alert. He does like he, we all knew him as that lovely rom, rom com guy in that. And yeah, ultimately he does it. Like, like he uses his persona that we all know him and love him for, and that's what he's doing in the Renaissance. He is turning it on its head, and that is just someone who is using their career. They're 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 in, they're in the shining golden era of their career where they can use the, they they're using the whole all of it in one. It is it's brilliant, and this film is brilliant, and Hugh Grant's brilliant, and this is fully deserving of of number three. It's all brilliant. Everything's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking second spot in Hugh Grant's best ever movies is Bridget Jones' Diary. Oscar Beardmore Grey. Taking the runner-up spot and the silver medal will be Bridget Jones' Diary 2001. Little round of applause for Bridget Jones's diary coming in yes. at number two. Yes. I think the reason why this film has to be at number two is because Daniel Cleaver is Hugh Grant's best character out of any oh, character he plays. Yes, yes, it's true. I think you. I, I, I'm gonna struggle to disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, I just think it was it, it was the perfect character at the perfect time, and I we've just spoken about. I guess like the way that Hugh's perception in the public has changed over time. I think this one was so good because up until that point, most people had seen him in the Four Weddings type. Yeah. And when he was given this script, the, the screenwriters got a kick out of it and the public got a kick out of it because deep down we knew Hugh was a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've all seen his mugshot. We yeah. knew there was, there was a dark side to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't that bumbling Brit that we saw in Four Weddings and a Funeral. So mm. to just kind of turn the, turn the dial up on that was what I think everyone wanted to see. Everyone knew that Hugh could be like that. And he's so like, he's, he kind of loses a bit of weight for Daniel Cleaver. And he's so like 
evil looking and manipulative he's mm. nasty mm. but he's also still got that charm and he's so hard <laughs> yeah. to resist yeah and exactly. he's it's hard to resist watching bridget jones <laughs> and loving it because he's so bloody good he's and so good. i you know like we we shit on in colin Firth, and i know we shout on him most episodes we've been in apart from the last one though actually to be fair yeah but the the combination the trio oh name me a more dynamic trio yeah than colin Firth. Rene Zellweger and Hugh Grant in the Bridget Jones series is is legendary. It's legendary. It's legendary. And I mean, you just mentioned it there, though. But but how you know delectable and evil he is. His intro to this film alone is just so brilliant. You know, it's Bridget is making all these resolutions to herself, and she's like, "I will find a nice, sensible boyfriend and stop forming romantic attachments to any of the following: alcoholics, workaholics, sexaholics, commitment phobics, peeping toms, megalomaniacs." Emotional fuckwits or perverts will especially stop fantasizing about a particular person who embodies all of these things. The doors open. What you want, baby? I got it. It's Hugh. It's Hugh Grant yes, walking it's... down, <laughs> walking down, and you just think to yourself, "There's no better introduction to a character," and 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 like just nailing on the head that this guy is a complete bastard. And you can what when you're watching it, you can just tell that Hugh Grant is having the best time. And finally, it feels like a snake has found its skin. He is mm. finally in his in the, his proper suit, and every word that comes out of his mouth is a snake slithering out. It's just it's it's delectable. It's evil, and yet we all have that person in our life who we're like, God, you you disgust me. I really want to have sex with you. That is him <laughs> in this film, and it's just and it's it's so funny. It's so well written. And I will say it one one time as well, like you said about that. I know, obviously, on this on this podcast, we're Hugh Grant fans first. We hate Colin Firth. He is good in this film, but the the thing I will say, and I honestly will die on this hill, no one, no film has ever cast a character as well as Rennie Zellweger as Bridget Jones. I'm sorry, you can tell. There's probably some old fart who are like, oh, I don't know. No one could play Citizen Kane as well as Orson Welles. Shut up, you old fat idiot. Like, you, you are so boring and crap. Rennie Zellweger has this thick Texan accent, which she totally loses, and you just can't imagine anyone else playing that role. She does it so well. I'm glad she's won an Oscar, because the fact that she didn't win an Oscar for this, I don't understand. It's because people look down on rom-coms. I think this is an incredible, incredible performance. Add to that Hugh Grant, add to that Colin Firth, add to that they're fighting, which is obviously hilarious, and how fucking thick Hugh Grant looks in this film in that moment <laughs> where he comes out of the water and he's got the cigarette in his mouth. And oh my God, this film is everything we could have asked for and more. I love it. I love Hugh. It deserves number second. It's great. It just, yeah, it's Daisy, spot on. Take me back to 2001, <laughs> two. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. it was a golden era, golden era of films like this. Mm. And I mean, that brings us on very nicely to the film that is going to top our ranking digs. Oh. We've got to own it. We've got to own the film that is top of yep. Hugh Grant's films ever made, ever produced. Digs coming in at number one. I'm giving this Whoa. a big fanfare. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> this is four years of work, 80 Whoa. episodes. It's Whoa. come down to this. It is... About a boy. Claiming the prestigious spot of the greatest production featuring Hugh Grant ever made, number one is About a Boy. Wow. About a boy. And you know what? In some ways, I think people will look at this film and go, hang on, what? 
Because you look at some of the some of the huge productions, you know, the sort of majesty of the of the sort of like action thriller, which is the gentleman. You look at Notting Hill, you know, well known the romance, the beauty. People will look at, you know, for what is in a funeral, what started it all. People will look at a varying of scandal, this incredible biopic. People will look at Paddington too. Wow, the Hunaissance really cemented in our faces. And we've gone about a boy. I'll tell you mm. why. It is the understated brilliance of about a boy and <laughs> this film may i remind people at home this film is not a rom-com but people all, but you will come away feeling like it is because it's so feel good this film genuinely has all of the seriousness of morris it has everything good about the evil nature of daniel cleaver from bridget jones's diary in hugh grant's character he's just as evil and and just as despicable in this film he he talks about shagging his goddaughter for god's sake <laughs> This film has everything good about the feel-good of Notting Hill. The only thing it's missing is the shagging from the lair of the white worm. Otherwise, it is the perfect, perfect film. It is so wonderful. It's so brilliant. And this film, you know, I've been watching the Beckham documentary recently. And Rio- <laughs> Are you and about Rio- to compare Hugh Grant to David Beckham? <laughs> I mean, name, name a bigger person. Name a bigger yeah. star at the time. But um, Rio Ferdinand talked about it in that documentary. He was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do an impression of Rio Ferdinand. But Rio Ferdinand, the you know footballer, said David Beckham was dealing with mental health, and mental health wasn't a thing. He had nowhere to turn to. Now people always go, "Oh, how's your mental health doing?" But back then they weren't. This is 2002, similar sort of time, and this film deals with mental health in such a um, matter of fact, but also um, light-hearted but serious way. It is absolutely fantastic this film yes it might not have too many bells and whistles it might not have the biggest budget it might not have explosions it might not have this that and the other but when you can't watch this film for me and come away and not think hugh grant was brilliant hugh grant was hilarious hugh grant was a little bit sexy and that this film wasn't really really bloody brilliant <laughs> takes i mean you saved the best to laugh that is at, i fucking love it i love you and i love it Yes, I love you too. Yes, mate, that that was class. I mean, I don't even know if I can follow that up at all. I mean, all I would say is that lots of people, when I talk about taking you for granted, come up, do say that they love about a boy, and Mm. for for one weird reason, because they love that bit in about (laughs) a boy where he's sitting on the sofa talking about putting his life into half an hour segments. Yes, and wouldn't life be more simple if we could all just lie on the sofa Mm. and say? 30 minutes for a bath 30 minutes to put my clothes on 30 minutes to go outside and like you know exactly and you know all he does is sit on the sofa with a beer and life is simple Mm. um i think you put the nail on the head digs where like this is a very simplistic film in some ways it's very Mm. it's quite raw in some ways and Mm. we do see such a it's such a good character arc for hugh grant's character from someone who really is like he's a loser he's a loser but he doesn't care mm. and in some ways actually probably his mental health is quite bad yes but yeah. you know it's more obvious that the mental health is poor in the kid and his mum but mm-hmm. hugh and hugh it just shows that like i guess it's like this community feel when someone has a purpose mm. that everyone can be sort of pulled along 
with him so and you know Nick, nicholas holt is 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 also fantastic in this film and yeah. it's great it's, it's actually lovely that he's become such a big star and talks so yeah. fondly about this film uh, mm. apparently he was too good looking so they just gave him like the shittest hair and the shittest it's, haircut it's it awful. is awful Fucking it is terrible. terrible yeah poor kid um and Hugh finishes the film on stage with his guitar, strumming along to "Killing Me Softly" with you, um, with your song, which I just I just love it. It's so it's so like sweet and heartfelt, and mm. I think it's the most real. It's the most real out of or out of these top ten films. Like there's like mm. you say, there's no bells and whistles. It's like a simple screenplay that mm. really chugs at your heartstrings. And the way you said that the rom there is no rom com, but it feels like a rom com. Yeah. Um. And that is the beauty of Hugh, because Hugh, that's his bread and butter. We all know him as the the, the specialist rom-com man. And, mm. and somehow he turns up the charm to make a film that's not even meant to be a rom-com feel yeah. like one. So I tip my hat to you, Hugh. You're a legend. <laughs> yes. I won't hear anyone say otherwise. I will defend yeah. you to the grave. You're a great man, a great actor. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure doing this podcast. I hope you're listening yes. somewhere. Yes. Oh, I'd and love Diggs. That. Last thing I think is is to you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. The ride has been amazing, and I, you know, it is emotional, isn't it? A little bit. It like, is actually genuinely. Yeah, yeah you know, I feel yeah. like we've 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 lived on the other side of the world um, for the last four years, and uh, we've been able to keep this like special bond because mm. of Hugh Grant. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fucking weird, isn't it? <laughs> that is so funny, and it's great because. I mean, it's so, it's this little special thing. And now, you know, it's funny I'm thinking about this in a job context, but you know, whenever you join a new job and they're always like, okay, you know, say maybe one little fact about you or you're sitting sat in a circle or something and they're like, oh, and, and what's your name and what's your special fact? I'm always just sort of like, hi, I'm Diggory and <laughs> I've watched every Hugh Grant film ever. <laughs> or, but, you know, when, I, when I've done interviews for jobs and they'll always look at my CV and at the bottom I've put, you know, over the second page, I'm always like, oh, other things that I do. I'm like, I've got a Hugh Grant podcast. They're always like, they don't, they don't talk to me about the fucking job. They're just like, so what's your favourite Hugh Grant film? Like, people, but it, but it, and it's been such a fun staple of my life for so long and, and I owe so much to this now. And like I say, it's been such a great way to stay in contact with you and it's been so much fun. So thank you, Hugh Grant. And thank you, Oscar Beardmore Gray. It's been a pleasure all the way. And now, yeah, like you say, if you ever have a moment where, maybe, maybe as a listener as well, it's like, say an interesting fact about you. I've listened to every Hugh Grant film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we've done it. That is Hugh Grant's top 10 greatest films to date. Um, until next week, when we will, of course, be reviewing Wonka. <laughs> because it is almost time for Wonka. The journey doesn't end there. We will obviously keep... We'll do his films as they come out. We'll update this board as we go. But for now... To date, these are the greatest Hugh Grant films ever made. From the two Hugh Grant experts, the only two on the planet, I'd say. Um, but, of course, by default, the best. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And thank you so much again, Oscar, for a great four years. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>